try to pull them over here. Oh, cut. Pull my microphone over. Sorry about that. Oops, I'm sliding out. There we go. All right, we're good to go. So glad you're here. Thank you for joining us. Studio audience that does not exist. Oh yeah, we're mis mixed with booze. I understand. So yes, we have. Uh, Wake up to the word Friday. It is Friday. We're so excited. Yes, we got some cheers going on. It is Friday. We're coming to you deep from the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. And I am your Bible teacher, Pastor Jeff Barksdale from Life Coast Church in Palm Coast, Florida. We are sponsored today by Barky's RV Rentals. We Bring the RV, set it up, show you how to use it in the local area, any state park or RV park. We let you have your camping vacation, then we come and pack it all up and take it all away for you. And all you have to bring is yourself and the fun. We provide everything else. All right, we are in uh, New Testament Friday, and our reading for today is Mark 14 and 15 and we get some exciting stuff going on we are now on apple podcasts so uh we're on spotify we're on youtube although i'm having issues with youtube it will not take any more episodes so uh we have all 81 episodes on apple podcasts so you can go there uh, we've had some uh, interesting occurrences over the last 60 days we've had 15,000 uh, 15, 15, excuse me, 1,500, uh, 1,500 hits on our podcast in Spotify, and, uh, that is a ginormous number, uh, we just now had, um, just hit, uh, 1,800, eight, oh, I got all my numbers mixed up, so let me, let me check them out here, I got, uh, 5,000 hits on, uh, in, in Spotify, and uh, 1,500, uh, I'm at um, almost 1,800, 1,900, I'm almost at 1,900 um, total views. Uh, so my uh, exposure is getting, uh, getting uh, much, much larger. So um, the Apple, uh, we, we just went to Apple. I started the process a while ago, and um, it, it completed it yesterday, and it... Uh, self-fed all the episodes so that was a really cool thing so there's 81 episodes already on uh apple podcast if you want to look at that there's a lot uh, it's, it's easy it's easy to get to just go to wake up go to apple podcast we'll wake up at the word in there and uh, you will find it and um you can put it as your favorite and it'll always be right there as soon as you pull it up on your page and uh that'll be that's uh that makes things easier for you okay so let's wake up to the word and we are in uh, mark chapters 14 and 15 and some of some of the stuff we've already done because we we had uh, some of these are like i said we're in the gospels and we we hear uh, some of these things multiple times um so uh, we starting off in 14 it was now two days before the passover and the feast of unleavened bread and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him for they had not for they said not during the feast 
lest there be an uproar by the people. So they wanted to do it by stealth. That's right. Very sneaky, very, very sneaky. And uh, so we... Uh, this is this is part of the timeline that we're going to look at. I told you as we come closer uh, and we get through the Gospels, I'm going to go and do a bonus episode with the timeline of how I believe, how I see in Scripture. Uh, I connect some dots in Scripture that might change your view of the Passover, the Passion Week. Um, traditionally, we have a, a Passover week, a Passion Week, that lays things out in a certain order. And I'm not throwing away those traditions. I'm not throwing away that stuff. What I'm saying is, I think there's a distinct and biblical option um, that lays that week out a little bit differently. So um, we start right here, and uh, this, uh, these kinds of hints, these kinds of clues are the things we're looking for. These and some of the Old Testament um, instructions on the feasts. And I said on Word on Wednesday that these feasts are, uh, that's a class that we do if you're just joining us for the first time. It's, uh, it streams live on Facebook. You can go to the Life Coast Facebook page. We stream live um, Word on Wednesday. It is an interactive teaching. Um, but the feasts, uh, as, as Gentile believers, we tend to know about the feasts, but don't really dive into them and their importance and their connectivity to Christ. Because the feasts are all wrapped around both his arrival as uh, his incarnation as a child, as baby Jesus. The feasts are all wrapped around that, and the feasts are all wrapped around excuse me, his sacrifice on the cross. So there's no reason to believe that the feast will not be wrapped around his return. So that's, I think it's important for us to look at those things. So right here at the beginning, it was now two days before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So that gives us the clock. The clock starts right there. And uh, like I said, I'll do a whole bonus episode on it. I'm not going to unpack it today. So uh, Jesus gets anointed. We talked about this as we, as it came up in another chapter, came up in another book, uh, another gospel. Um, but the important part about this that I that I said then, and I'm going to say it again, is uh, they talked about the, uh, they got upset. The disciples got upset. Some of the disciples got upset because they were using the oil um, on him and not selling it and giving the money to the poor. And Jesus, two things occur here. For you will always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good by them. And, that, and that's the two things, is that we're not going to get rid of poverty anytime fast or ever, and, uh, and there's always opportunity to do good to them. Um, but there's also times for focusing on Christ, and that's what this talks about. So you won't always have me here. And she has done what, what, what is good. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before burial beforehand for burial. So he is recognizing that he is going to die and he's going to be rushed to the tomb and he will not have time to be anointed. And this is handling that part of the Jewish uh, ritual. So he remains um, within the law, even in his death. <clears throat> so Judas betrays him. 
uh, is Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve. So he's one of the ones that are in Jesus' circle and still betrays him. The most perfect leader, instructor, teacher, uh, the savior, and he still has someone who betrays him. And we can go through all that uh, fate kind of thing and what's going on, but... Um, uh, so on the first day of unleavened bread and when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, so we get to that point, his disciples said to him, uh, where will you go and prepare for the Passover? And he says, you know, go meet this guy in the city. And then it says this, and um, wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. I'm going to stop there for a second because uh, this this statement, this sentence gives us a clue uh, and more information about not just this event but also the birth of Jesus Christ. And, and, and that is in the word, where is my guest room? This is translated guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. This word is kataluma, or katalumis, uh, depending on if you're singular. Or, so, um, and, it, and it, 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 it is translated guest room. It also can be translated upper room, okay? So that's important. Um, although there is another word for upper room as well, and it uses that in the very next verse. And he will show you a large upper room uh, furnished and ready for the preparation. But this word, this word katalumis, uh, can, be, can be upper room or guest room. And this is the same exact word that's used in the book of Luke describing where there's no room, where there's no place for them. So they came to Bethlehem and she... Uh, gave birth to a son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the kataluma. There was no room for him in the guest room. There was no room for him in the upper room. There was no place for him is actually what the term is. It's a place. There's no place for him. It wasn't that there wasn't any room. It's that she was a unmarried only betrothed, pregnant woman having a child before their actual wedding. So uh, she, was, she was pregnant, out of wedlock, got married, and now she's uh, actually a woman of shame. So why is there no place for her? Because that's only for the people of honor. They weren't in an inn. That's not, that's not what the word means. They were in the lower part of the room of their family, because uh, they were all families there, lower part of that room, and they were down with the animals because there's no place for someone of dishonor. There's no place. So in the lowliest of low places, in the lowliest of low standings, Jesus is born. And the king of all things comes to this depth, this low for you and for me. So I wanted to point that out uh, as we, next time you set up your, your manger scene, your, your creche, as it were, uh, you look at that a little differently with a house, an upper, upper home with people who are visiting because there were lots of people coming 
to Jerusalem, to Bethlehem, because uh, they were coming for a census. So there were lots of people there, but nobody would give up their space, their, their, their spot for a pregnant woman about to give birth. Come on now. Let, come on. Really? Well, the reason they wouldn't is because she was a woman of shame. Okay. Uh, so uh, back to the um, Passion Week. Uh, here in 15, they went to the large upper room and, and they were, uh, when it was evening, he came with the 12 and as they were reclining, that's another another point, when it was evening, they're in the, um, the, the, they prepared for the Passover. The Passover is the day before the, um, uh, the feast week. Uh, so it, it's not technically part of the feast, it is before the feast, and we can read that in the Old Testament, and I'll go through all of that in that bonus episode. But uh, <clears throat> so this is when he uh, uh, dips his bread and, and gets, and, and the Son of Man is going to betray him, and um, then uh, he say, he says one thing. He says it, it would be have been better for that man if he had not been born. So uh, that's a stark statement from Christ. Um, then, then the Institute of the Lord's Supper. Small little uh, couple of verses here. <coughs> Small little uh, couple of verses here. And as they were eating, he took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to them, and said, Take this, is, take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. So um, this is a, a, a divergence from the normal Passover meal. Uh, it's, it's different. He, he's uh, adjusted it. He's altered it because there's a new covenant, a new thing. Um, also, little side note here. Some people get very bothered by uh, drinking of wine, or um, but the Bible really doesn't talk about uh, the, the, that it's, you can't drink wine. It does say that you shouldn't get drunk, and, and the results of getting drunk, and that the sin that happens, debauchery, if you want the word. Uh, all those things are, are definitely talked against. There's no question about that. Uh, but drinking in and of itself uh, is a cultural norm here. In many places, it's a cultural norm. And... Uh, only within the church have they labeled drinking a sin, and that's not that's not really biblical. And it even says here, truly I tell you, I will not drink again, again, of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. So he drank it before, and he will drink it again. Um, so we're talking about Jesus here, okay? So he probably at the weddings and times of celebration and. He, and a uh, normal part of their culture for cleansing water and things like that had wine. And so it, it, this is not an abnormal thing. As you go through the Old Testament, you'll see having wine, having your vats of wine full, was a sign of blessing of God. It, it was one of the blessings. So, um, and, I, and I understand why people get upset about it. I understand that, that drunkenness and addiction is a big problem uh, and, and it continues to be a big problem it grows as a problem and I'm not saying that that's good and right and should be done it sh it, all those things are 
bad, all those things are sin, all those things. But in and of itself, the drinking of wine is not a sin. But by the same token, uh, when you know somebody has a problem, you abstain because you want the best for them. So it shouldn't control you. You should uh, have freedom because that's what the that's what grace gives us is freedom. But we should also use that freedom to point to Christ all the time. That's the that's the road we're walking. That's and it's it's a that's why it's a narrow road because it's not always clear. It's not always cut and dry. This is the road we're walking. So we don't want to be a stumbling block for anybody. Um, but we also don't want to say things are sin when the Bible doesn't say they're sin. Uh, but we want the best for others. So we point them to Christ. Uh, Jesus, uh, we keep moving. Jesus foretells Peter's denial. And um, so as we walk through this, he just looks at Peter and he, and he says, uh, um, Jesus said to him, you will all fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And after I am raised up, I will go before the Gentiles. Peter said to him, even though they all fall away, I will not. Oh, Peter, Peter, Peter. Uh, and Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And so as we go through the story, we know what happens. Yep, the crow is twice, and uh, Peter denies him. Uh, Jesus goes to Gethsemane. Now, now we're um, uh, he goes into Gethsemane. He prays to the Father, Abba, Father, if it's possible to remove this cup. He's praying. He's in such such turmoil. He's dripping, uh, sweating drops like blood, and um, it, this is that same night into the daylight into the morning so they do the passover they come to the evening of that of that passover time and they have the passover as soon as it's that day which we know from jewish culture evening and morning the days start in the evening so a sabbath day starts on friday at sundown and goes till saturday at sundown that's sabbath so this evening started this first day uh, of Passover started in the evening right at sundown they have the meal right after sundown and then they go to the Garden of Gethsemane they're in that same um, evening it's gone over into the next day past midnight into the next day because in the morning uh, that's when uh, or, or uh, when the soldiers come in Gethsemane um, Jesus keeps coming back to them, seeing if they're sleeping. He asked them to stay awake, and they don't. Um, so immediately while they were speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve with them, and the sword and the club and the chief priest, and, the, and he gives him a kiss, and he seizes him, and he takes him away. And, and um, it talks about this young man following him with nothing but linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Uh, there's a lot of thoughts on that, of who that person is and why was it brought up. And it, it's uh, potentially someone that we know uh, in the future. And uh, so we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. I'm going to sneeze. 
so um whoa that was a now I'm all echoey oh I put the wrong I put the wrong one up there we go um so they come in and they lead him away and he goes before the council and the chief priest and Peter follows him in the distance uh and they come before him and he basically has his Jewish trial. He basically has his hearing before the council, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling uh, people. Uh, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ? This is verse 61. Are you the Christ, the son of the blessed, the blessed, the son of the, uh, of the blessed? They won't even say God. And Jesus says, I am. Essentially, he says, <laughs> he says, I'm God. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming with the cloud of heaven. And the high priest tore his garment and said, what further witness do you need? Witnesses do you need? Because by Jesus answering the way he answered, he said he was God. And they would call that blasphemy. But they would also say, um, it, the only way it's not blasphemy is if Jesus is God. That's the only way it's not blasphemy. So you have heard the blasphemy, says 64. You have heard his blasphemy. What is your decision? And all condemned him to deserve death. And some began to spit on him and cover his face and strike him, saying, prophesy uh, the guard who hit you. So um, then Peter denies Jesus three times. This is the actual event that occurs. And uh, he really goes to great lengths to deny him swearing and everything, invokes a curse on him and, and to swear. I don't know this man who you speak about. And then, <laughs> right, the rooster crows. So uh, then Jesus goes to Pilate. And those, so as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes in the whole council and they bound Jesus and led him away. So they had part of the council of the Sanhedrin. Then everybody else wakes up. And as soon as it was morning, they had the whole council, and they bring him to Pilate. So now this is just the next day. So all this has happened all through the night. The Passover, Gethsemane, and before the chief priests, we see these stories, and we think these things are taking days to occur. This is all in in less than 12 hours and now he goes to Pilate when it comes daylight so we're working on the second half of the first day so I'm just trying to get, set you up for a timeline as we'll walk through this as I said in the bonus in a bonus episode but uh, Pilate delivers Jesus to be crucified and uh, the, we talked about this last week the Barabbas and Bar Abba uh, the son of the father Jesus gets mocked uh, he's he's uh, going to the crucifixion. They get Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross. We've talked about that one. Put the sign up. He's king of the Jews. And now here's an interesting thing that, that uh, I just heard just recently, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, they're saying, uh, this was, the, did Jesus speak Aramaic or did he speak Hebrew? And that's an interesting question, is he probably spoke them both because they were pretty fluent uh, languages in the time and the space um, but but this one scholar says this portion of scripture and the other matching portions in the gospel is proof that Jesus spoke Hebrew and uh, I'll break it down as best I can I only really heard it one time um, uh, so uh, this is starting at 33 of chapter 15 
And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, uh, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And as some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. So this particular sentence right here, and in, in, in coordination with other portions that record the same thing, uh, some of the other portions don't do the Eloi, but do the L-E, E-L-I, E-L-I, Lama Sabakani. Um, it's, it's very similar, but some just slight differences as they write in the Greek and put it down. And, and his connotation is that, behold, he is calling Elijah. They think he's calling Elijah. Now, in Arabic, in Aramaic, this phrase, Eloi, Eloi, Lama Sabachthani, doesn't sound anything like Elijah. But in Hebrew, when you say these same words in Hebrew, it does sound like a divided name Elijah. And so uh, that's why they're saying Jesus was calling for Elijah because he's crying these words out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's saying it in Hebrew and it resembles the name Elijah. And so that's, he said, that's his proof that Jesus spoke Hebrew. And I entirely agree that he very well probably yelled that out in Hebrew. That does not mean he spoke predominantly Hebrew. Um, he very well spoke whatever language he needed to speak in whatever region and area he was in in order to convey what he was saying. So that's 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 what I get there. But I thought it was very interesting and, and a very nice uh, scholarly uh, point of view to pull out in understanding the language, um, which uh, I wouldn't have picked out had... Uh, a Hebrew scholar had not noticed that. I thought that was very cool. That's why it's important to spread your listening around, especially get that, those uh, uh, ancient Hebrew eyes on it, and you start to learn things that you hadn't heard before. Uh, then Jesus is buried when evening had come since it was the day of preparation. Another, another key point um, to point out and to asterisk so you understand that is the day before the Sabbath, and that's another important statement. These statements are important in gathering all the information because they're marking days and times, and um, it's important to understand that. Uh, Pilate was surprised to hear that he should have already died, but he died uh, earlier than expected um, because uh, he, he, Jesus, in fulfilling the law, didn't want to be on the cross during Passover, so so, um, yes, he, he gave up his spirit. And, um, and it says it that way. He gave up his spirit. Um, Joseph brought the linen shroud and taking him down, wrapped it in linen uh, and laid him in the tomb that he had cut out of the rock and he rolled a stone against the entrance. Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Joseph, Joseph uh, saw where he was laid. So that's the end of the chapter right there. And... Uh, and uh, we um, come to the end of our episode, and we're uh, interesting that uh, the women stayed in through the whole thing. They watched and followed along through the entire thing and um, through the entire episode. 
So we'll join up right there next week. Uh, we're actually going to jump over to Luke and probably look at some of these other versions of these same things. Well, we're glad you joined us. We're glad you're here at uh, Wake Up to the Word. This has been New Testament Friday, episode 80. Eight zero. Thank you for coming. Love you guys so much. Hope to see you at Life Goes Church at 10.30 on Sunday morning at the 10th. We'll see you there. Bye-bye.